0: Well, welcome to Grace and Peace Church. My name is Nate, I'm the lead pastor here, uh, and we are journeying through the book of James, or the letter of James. Uh, it's short, but it has some amazing truths that we want to stake our lives on. If you need more information about who we are and what's going on, check out graceandpeacechurch.org and we'd love to connect. Uh, we have life groups during the week. We meet on Tuesday and Thursday currently at 7 p.m. and they're on Zoom. And we would just, uh, we'd love to have you join and, and continue these conversations that we're talking about on the weekend message and uh, take it a bit further. So, welcome. The passage that we're in is James chapter 1 verses 19 through 21, so if you have your Bible, feel free to open that up. If you don't have one, uh, the YouVersion app is a great way to engage scripture and makes it super simple for you to find these passages and uh, the title of this message is Quick to Listen, Slow to Speak. The current political and cultural climate that we find ourselves in right now is heated. Uh, Chris Brown from North Coast, I heard him this week talking about the cultural climate, the situation we find ourselves in with the pandemic and everything as a pressure cooker. That our lives a lot of times are like a pressure cooker and I want to use that analogy to uh, be a backdrop for this passage that we're about to read and how we engage this passage and how we begin to view it in our lives. Um, Pressure cookers or If you're, I guess, new school, if you're uh, new to cooking, uh, pressure cooker is pretty old. Uh, The new term is Instapot, Okay. Um, I used to have a a pressure cooker, and that pressure cooker had a little dilly on the top that would hold the pressure on there and kind of release the, the pressure as it was too much. And it would spin on the top of it, and you could kind of touch it, and it would kind of spin around, and steam would come out of it. And then there was another little knob on the side of it that was kind of like a safety valve that when things got too crazy that safety valve this little rubber gasket would blow out and in my situation I had that little thing because it was an old pressure cooker apparently that little seal blew out and all of the soup that I was cooking ended up on my ceiling in my kitchen completely obliterated I was scared first of all blown away at what just happened how All of the soup, literally all of it that was in there, came out of this tiny little hole and just ended up everywhere. It was a giant mess. There's probably still chunks of it on my ceiling that I see every now and then where it stained my white ceiling. But the pressure in that old pressure cooker couldn't be handled. Um, It was too much. So it blew up. The new Instapots have like a new technologically advanced pressure valve that works much better. But we are all much like a pressure cooker. The current climate in our world right now, and especially in the United States, and our culture, um, we face all kinds of challenges. When it comes to quarantine, our norm that was a little under a year ago has been shifted. Uh, Everything that was familiar with us has shifted. And um, it's brought tension in our families. Uh, We've seen the tension from political unrest, all kinds of opinions on every side, every side of the spectrum uh, being just elevated to a crazy amount and uh, and I believe that creates a lot of tension between even families uh, let alone friends, co-workers, um, our jobs, many of us have been tested in various ways, challenged, pushed to the brink in very various ways and um, it's just, it's created a lot of pressure and I feel like uh, a lot of us are at that point where it's just there's so much pressure that's being built up that um, some people are literally exploding and losing their minds on people, losing the way that they interact with people, losing their cool. And this passage that we see here in James talks about this. So I'm going to go ahead and read verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, he starts out. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. He starts out with, take note of this. Scripture is meant to be this guide for our lives, and... The way that I see it quite often is that it's, it's a bit of a melody. It's a bit of a song that I lean into more and more, that over the years as I've fallen in love with Christ and what God is doing in my life, um, it becomes this beautiful song that I lean into. And I would invite you as you encounter this, if this is new to you, um, to begin to see all of Scripture as a melody. That as you listen to to music, it, it draws you in, and and I, my, our prayer would be that these words would draw you in. That as there's different types of letters, um, books that are within this book, um, there are all kinds of um, like poetic uh, writings in here. Then there's the gospels that are very much. Uh, historical, yet still have a woven element to them of storytelling. And what it does is invites us into this conversation, into this experience with God, and what we see James doing is inviting us into this conversation in a way to say, begin to think about how you speak. Begin to think about how you interact with people. And so he starts out with, you know, take note of this. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. We often have a knee-jerk reaction versus self-control when it comes to conversations. Um, especially online, it can be really easy for us to say things that we wouldn't normally say face-to-face. right? At some point, there will be people right, that approach us with either hey, can we talk? And many of us know what That means it's, I got something I need to hash out with you. I have something I need to dialogue with you. um, It could be good or it could be bad. But many times when somebody says, hey, can we talk? There needs to be a concern. Uh, There needs to be a concern for that person's issue or concern, if that makes sense, that we need to have a heart where when someone approaches us with a different belief, with a issue, with something that is driving them nuts, whatever it is, we need to approach their concern with concern. Uh, We need to have an initial posture, a response, if you will, um, that just has this sense that we care about people first, and even we care about others before we care about ourselves, that we're open to listening rather than bringing our own agenda. Because many times when we hear the words, hey, can we talk, defensive barriers start to pop up, right? Many of us will start to go, oh, what did I do? It wasn't me. And we get defensive and it's just human nature. It's part of our desire to save face. Um, but. Our posture is so crucial that what James is starting to draw us into is recognizing our speech, recognizing that when someone brings something to us that we're quick to listen and then slow to respond, slow to speak, slow to bring our agenda and there's something that will shift in the middle of that. Living in this kind of way approaching conversations with this kind of posture I believe brings a righteousness to our relationships with people and a righteousness not in a way that we're better than others but in a way that is morally upright. This goes back to this idea of maturity that we've been talking about these last couple weeks of discipleship being core to who we are that we want to continually be more like Jesus and so righteousness when I say that comes from a, a, a desire to be the kind of people that people long to interact with because they know that it will be life-giving. They know that if they bring up an issue or they bring up a, a different belief or a concern, that you're not going to be the person that's going to come at them with anger, with this, right? That you're going to come at them with love, with grace, and you're going to receive and try to listen and hear what they're saying. So being quick to listen, slow to speak we know is life-giving. We've encountered people that are slow to speak, right? That are quick to listen um, and really want to understand. And so what I want to do is use a another passage that some of us are might, might be familiar with, maybe not, um, that's in John chapter 21. It's the very end of John, the very last few verses here. And it's uh, verses 15 through 22. And Uh, I'm not necessarily going to read the whole thing, but I want to give you an idea of what's happening in this conversation. It's Jesus and Peter, and Peter is uh, in this place where he has, after three years of apprenticing under Jesus, Peter has abandoned Jesus in his most crucial time of need uh, by denying him three times. Um, if you want to go back and study the, these passages, I invite you to read it. Um, basically, at the end of John, you begin to see this this abandoning of Peter, um, this abandoning of Peter of of Jesus, that um, that is 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 this like true definition of a broken relationship. Um, and Jesus comes and has this conversation with him and reinstates him, basically confronts him but yet reassures him and calls him into further ministry. And what Jesus does is he says here, so in verse 15 he says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again he said, Simon son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus responded, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old you stretched out your hands and someone else dressed you and led you where you did not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved and was following him. Uh, when Peter saw him, he, sa- he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. In this conversation we see this lack of being quick to listen, slow to speak. The conversation where Jesus is continually asking do you love me? It points to uh, this true kind of love, this dedicated love, this brotherly love, which is interesting because the first two times that Jesus says, do you love me? He uses this word, agape, which is this unconditional kind of love. The third time, that Jesus asked him, do you love me? He uses this word phileo and these are both Greek words for love and uh, because in the Greek they have different words, different usage for the word love whereas we have one word, I use the word I love my wife and I love California burritos, two totally different things, some might argue different, I don't know, but we have one word for love, they have multiple words for love and the one that Jesus uses in the beginning is this unconditional love. Peter clearly didn't have that unconditional love. But then the third time he says, do you have this brotherly love for me? And I believe that this has a tie to the understanding that we can't separate our relationship with others from our relationship with God. The brotherly love we have, the love that we have for one another as the body of Christ is inseparable from our love from God. And I believe what Jesus is calling Peter back to is this idea that, that we, have to, we have to be sold out to one another. This can't just be an unconditional God kind of thing. This has to be a way that we live. And so this conversation is beautiful and a, and a great way to learn and begin to see how sometimes the pressure builds up. And I'm sure in Peter's life, the, the instapot of his, his soul maybe or his heart was building up. The pressure was there and you could see he's about to explode, but what Jesus does is begin to reinstate him, to give him hope, to give him an understanding of like, no I, I care about you and I have a mission for you. I hope that we can have that same kind of response. We need the kind of self control and love for others in our conversations the same way Jesus does. And we can learn from Peter that even though we've made mistakes, when we respond you could see at some point he starts to go, well, what about him? You know, he pointing the finger. At some point, we need to own parts of our lives. We need to have that humility to recognize how we interact in conversations with people. And that can bring new life. Which then, the second part of the, the sentence there that James throws out is, be slow to become angry. Because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires slow to become angry. Sometimes our default is to blame our personality and justify things by saying, I'm just gonna speak my mind. Ever done that before? I'm just being honest. I'm just being real. I'm gonna be real with this person. I just say it how it is. I don't try and sugarcoat anything. That can be a way to justify our actions. I'm just hot-headed. These are all ways that we can somehow justify, and begin to almost create a self-fulfilling prophecy of how we interact in a conversation, and we justify those things away, and we begin to excuse poor behavior when it comes to conversations. I've been reflecting on my own life and the behaviors and that I have, uh, the, and realizing that there's nuance. There's little nuances to our language. There's nuances to how we interact with people in conversation. That I may not always blow up and lose my temper and go angry and just start yelling, but I do critique sometimes. That I do come at a conversation not able to recognize and listen to the person and begin to critique them or critique where they're coming from without trying to understand without leaning in to listen. We're a culture that is just shaped by critique. Uh, When we look at our lives, when we look at other people's lives, um, we come with a critical attitude. I know that social media begins to shape us, makes us critics of everything because we're thinking about how the appearance looks, because we critique everybody else by their appearance and how they look, because we don't have much more to go off of other than a few photos. And so we do the same thing to ourselves and I think that whole idea of being a critic causes us to be people who are subtly angry, subtly critiquing in a negative way the people that are around us. And I believe that that can be damaging. Conversations with people, it can be easier to make fun of people, to be a critic rather than talk about things that Uh, matter more, like our feelings, our hopes, our dreams, creative endeavors that we have. It's so much easier to default to well have you seen what's going on here and what's negative about this person, and how bad this person failed or... just all the negative and I don't believe that that is good. Some people continually focus on the negative and I find myself as I reflect on my own life that maybe I'm not angry but I'm negative. And I don't believe that that's a positive way to to approach conversations either. Slow to speak, slow to become angry, this produces righteousness. This is the kind of life that James is calling us to. And I think we can begin to discover a new inner voice. A new way of interacting with the people that we are close to and are around and on social media. Um, that we can have a new inner voice that has a fresh perspective, that has life to it, rather than critic, negative, uh, or angry. Luke 6.45 in the New Living Translation, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart out of our heart speaks the truth, the reality, um, the things that have been woven into our lives. Um, When we speak, it's flowing from our heart. It's flowing from who we are. And I want to, again, going back to the pressure cooker, be reminded that if our heart, if who we are inside is about to blow up because we have so much pressure built up in us, we have to begin to recognize that. We have to do the work to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to step in and shape us in new ways. So, I want to ask what's flowing from your life? Are you ready to explode at any moment? Do you feel that pressure? Do you feel the anxiety? Do you feel the just that if somebody asks you the wrong question at the wrong time, you're just gonna explode and you're just gonna lose your mind on them. That's not healthy, right? And we've all been there. We've all been to those places where we're fried, where our cuff, our our pressure cooker is about to explode, and we're just not ready to engage in healthy conversation, in life-giving conversation. Our words matter every step that we take towards a conversation matters. The communication that we have with others matters. And so there's no such thing as neutral speech. Um, We just, we're either positive or we're negative. And so we need to think through, how are the words that we are speaking coming across to others? Do we continually bring negative speech? Or are we bringing positive, hope-filled speech that centers around Christ? Um, So therefore, I think we need to process what our words will be doing. Why? Because, he says it at the very end, it will save you. There's a, a saving element to how we speak and how we view our lives that it will begin to set us free as we begin to engage in healthy conversation, healthy dialogue, that when you begin to take the pressure off, when you begin to allow God to speak into your life, we can handle conversations in a healthy way to where we don't have to get defensive, we don't have to get angry, we don't have to throw our agenda, we don't have to just get crazy when it comes to conversations. We can begin to have healthy dialogue. And I believe that that really starts with us recognizing God longing to come in and save us from the the, the horrible dark ways that we approach conversation. So I think one of the healthy things to do is to bring in a look at salvation. What is salvation? Because if I'm saying that this is gonna save you and it's supposed to be a a life transforming thing, we gotta understand what it is. And so salvation is an ongoing process uh, of being set free to experience the good life. The good life that God intended. And so there's three elements at work when we look at salvation. It's not just a ticket to heaven but there's an initial part that's justification and that's us being reconciled to God. That's Him dying on the cross for our sins, setting us free once and for all. There's nothing that we can do, nothing we can do to earn it. It's just a, this reconciliation that happens as we surrender our lives and say, I want to put my life in your hands, God. That's justification. We're now justified before Him then there's a process of sanctification. And that's where our language comes into play. That's where our heart comes into play. There becomes this process of setting us free. And that's what he's referencing here is this word that's been planted in you, which can save you. So he says it can save you because it's a process of continually being saved out of negative, destructive, damaging speech. So the salvation part of that in the sanctification is this process of being set free, this righteousness that we mentioned earlier. And then there's the third part of it which is glorification, which that's the ultimate part where it's like we're in a full relationship with God, there's no longer a presence of sin which we would consider after death, right? And so being aware that there's this constant battle between, uh, I think, salvation and the evil that exists in our world, the evil desires that we we constantly are plagued with, we talked about last week, um, helps us name and begin to prepare for aligning ourselves with Christ in our conversations. And then we begin to see the fruit of it. So salvation isn't just a ticket to heaven, it's a process of learning how to live in a way that is good, the way that God designed us to. And that's what He's pointing us to with our speech that that is an element of how we experience life to the full and then how others experience it as well. So, action step how do we begin to move forward? He says, Humbly accept the word planted in you. How much of God's truth is planted into your life? The spiritual disciplines that we orient our lives around. It's uh, something that we continually talk about and continually press into like a guitar player learns scales um, in order to improve their ability to play and just free flow if you're playing with a band. that Those scales and understanding the basics of playing a guitar helps you then uh, improvise and be able to play and just play with you know, a group of people in a way that just sounds beautiful. Spiritual disciplines are the same thing. It allows us to live life in a way that God designed us to live. And so as we get into these disciplines, as we begin to shape our lives, we become more mature, uh, we begin to be formed in the way of Christ, then daily life becomes more of a, a life-giving interaction, that our conversations are then healthy and life-giving, that the pressure is taken off of our instapot, so to speak, that then we can thrive. And so he says, is the word being planted in you? The word being planted in you will allow you to thrive. And so what I want to do is just give you a tangible way to do that and I think it is journaling. Journaling is a great way to take inventory and you might not even like journaling. Maybe you're the person that says, I'm not a fan. Hopefully I can convince you. I'm beginning to learn the value of it myself. Um, But the the idea of taking inventory of our lives begins to shape our response to others. That as we begin to reflect daily, as we look back on how we've interacted in conversations, it gives us a healthy way of seeing the ways that maybe we've had shortcomings when it comes to conversation and ways that maybe we've uh, were thriving and doing well. And what this does is it brings a humility to our approach to conversations. Dr. Jim Lore, I'll put a link in the show notes and uh, in the description below uh, for those of you on the podcast. Um, but on the Tim Ferriss Show if you want to look him up, Jim, Dr. Jim Lohr, um, he's a coach for top athletes and Fortune 100 executives and he points to this story about Dan Jansen and uh, he tells a story about this speed skater who uh, Dan Jansen is just this amazing speed skater that uh, won the Olympics um, in the thousand meter. And he talks about how when he was coaching him there's this process of learning um, to reframe and reshape his thinking. And one of the things that he does is um, he told him basically, I want you to learn to love the 1,000 because one of his struggles was he said, I hate the 1,000. I cannot do the 1,000 well, I will not thrive in that. And what he said is I want you to journal every single day, I love the 1,000. And what happened after two years is he began to really shape his thinking and his abilities began to align with his thinking. And just the fact that he wrote, I love the 1000, shaped it. And what he says is we have to make the inputs regularly. Our mind is pliable, it's elastic, and it has the ability to come around and be shaped in a way that we want it to. And what Christ does is he does that same thing. So these are truths that I think God's woven into all of creation. Jesus says, I've come to bring life to the full, abundant life. If you want to look up John 10, 10, I would invite you to do that. But remind yourself, God has come to bring abundant life. I would invite you to just to own that, begin to live into that and, um, and begin to maybe shape parts of your life that maybe you don't think that could ever be shaped or changed in a way that maybe you say, oh, I'm just a negative person all the time. Write down, I want to be a positive person. Write it down. Whatever your goals are, write it down in your journaling. Even if it's a couple minutes each day, just write it down and that'll begin to shape who you are. It's just like introspective, reflective way of looking at our lives. And then I would say, schedule time to communicate intentionally with people that you have significant relationship with in your life. Intentionally spend time sitting down having conversation. Um, maybe it's a phone call regularly. Uh, maybe it's sitting down having coffee if you can. Um, I know that right now that can be a challenge but finding ways to have conversations on a regular basis it begins to change everything. You, you just can't convey a lot of the emotion, the feeling, the connection through text and things get skewed really quick through email or text. So having a conversation, an honest real conversation with people on a regular basis begins to bring healing and it begins to shape and have understanding. And the last thing I would say is find safe people to process life with. Um, To rewrite the narrative of your life with. That if there is things that you're struggling with you can be honest with them and they can help you begin to rewrite the story. Rewrite who you are and rewrite it in a way that aligns with what James calls us to to be in line with what Christ desires for us, that abundant life, that life to the full. Grace and peace to you as you live into this. If you have questions, please reach out to us, and we'd love to connect. And uh, if you're listening this far into the message, uh, we'd invite you to participate um, throughout the week if you want to connect with us on our website. Uh, we would invite you to do that, participate in giving, continue to keep the mission alive, the food distribution that we have, life groups. There's all these different ways to connect and we just invite you to participate because it's not my church, it's yours, it's God's. God's doing the work and we're meant to be unified in that. So grace and peace to you. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen.